Hello and welcome to the Techic Podcast. I'm Sukriti Adhwanshi, and today we are here to talk about various career prospects in backend engineering. A backend developer is someone who builds and maintains the technology needed to power the components which enable the user facing side of the website to exist. Their backend code adds utility to everything the frontend developer creates. These developers are responsible for creating, maintaining, testing, and debugging the entire backend. It includes the core application, a logic databases, data and application integration, API, and other backend processes. So no matter what you're building, having a strong foundation is crucial, and that's where the backend engineers come in. Looking at the current demands of the backend developers, it's always good to broaden your horizon and have a better understanding of what the market is requiring. To provide you with the details of career opportunities, today I'm in conversation with Kushan Shah, who is the principal architect at Find. Kushan started out as a platform engineer building the early versions of the Find backend, scaled up uh, the infrastructure. He currently looks after the omni-channel order management platform for both Find and Geomart. Welcome to the show, Kushan. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Kushan. And I'm looking forward to some great insights uh, from this conversation. So quickly jumping on to setting up the pretext of what we're going to define here in the conversation today. Uh, tell me, how would you define the platform engineering role and uh, what do they do and why is it so important in today's evolving space? Sure. Uh, I think uh, you pretty much captured the gist uh, really well, right? So uh, whenever we want to build a business, let's say I want to build, I, I, I have some products to sell and I want to start selling online uh, and I want to build my own e-commerce website, for example, right? Uh, the, the, the role of a backend engineer comes into picture when we want to, you know, support the uh, features that you're building out on the front end. For example, uh, if, if you were to browse through or, uh, you know, try shopping on any of the e-commerce websites, uh, you would have a sign up page, you would have your product details being displayed over there, you would have a search feature, you would have a cart, and then you might be paying uh, via some payment gateway, right? So a backend engineer pretty much, uh, you know, as, as you rightly said, lays the foundation of all of this with regards to the overall architecture, with regards to the overall uh, APIs, and I'll cover what APIs are uh, uh, in a few minutes. So uh, this, this entire uh, user experience that is powered on the front end has to be supported by certain data that has to come from a remote uh, remote server, right? Uh, it could be, the data could be as simple as uh, showing you the user, their username uh, and their details. The, the, the data could be uh, something like showing the product information on a product display page, or it could be something as complex as showing recommendations on uh, whenever a user tries to add something to the card. So a backend engineer pretty much uh, is, is someone uh, who is in charge of uh, implementing these interfaces between the front end and the servers. Uh, you know, we cannot directly expose the servers as is uh, to these users. So we have to build very uh, secure applications that are able to exchange data over the network. And this is where, uh, this is what we call as APIs, application programming interfaces. Uh, so once once this is done, right, this has to be uh, deployed somewhere on on a cloud infrastructure that can then be uh, served to the public internet, and uh, that pretty much all of this entire lifecycle of uh, writing an API, uh, implementing the right interfaces between the front end and the uh, services that we write, uh, also uh, deploying this to to a cloud infrastructure where it can be 
consumed by uh, millions of users. Uh, all of this is pretty much done by the backend engineer. All right. So, what are the tools and the tech stack that is popularly used by the platform engineers, and how can one get into this role as a fresher as plus as a you know literal experienced ones? Sure, um, that's a great question. So, uh, extending the same example that I mentioned, right? Imagine if I were to build a platform uh, or a system on which I want to uh, start selling online. All right, uh, I might have to build a service which is able to get me information about products. I might have to build a service. I can type a keyword and it will result into uh, you know the relevant results on the back end. Uh, I would have to build a, a login feature on which users can log in and then I can uh, get their login information across across the system. Uh, I might have to build an integration with a payment gateway on which through which a user can pay. Uh, so pretty much the tools and the tech stack uh, varies uh, company to company. Uh, what I might say might not be directly applicable on every, uh, for every org because every org has a certain set of uh, rules by which the tech stack is selected. Uh, uh, pretty much uh, the broad categories of tools that are used are there is a language on which the actual uh, programming is done and where the APIs are written. Uh, the language could be uh, an example of a high level language could be Python, uh, it could be Java, it could be JavaScript, uh, it could be uh, something like Node.js, uh, Golang, it could be PHP. So pretty much these are the languages, uh, or it is a representative uh, set of languages that are used across the board. Uh, now the language can only help you implement uh, the code base, but the data still has to be stored somewhere. And that is where a database comes into picture. Uh, so pretty much uh, uh, the, the popular databases that I use across the board, uh, the MySQL is the most one of the most popular ones out there. Uh, there is Postgres. Uh, MySQL Postgres pretty much uh, are uh, you know the stalwarts of uh, the database ecosystem. Uh, MongoDB is also a very popular choice in the recent years. Uh, so pretty much these are uh, databases that are used across the board. Uh, now these databases, while uh, they're really good at storing data and keeping it safe uh, at scale, uh, you might still want some data to be accessed very quickly. Uh, for example, if a user is uh, typing something on the search bar, the user might want to see results very, very quickly. And that is where the concept of caching comes into play. Uh, so frequently access information uh, such as search results, uh, frequently access information uh, such as uh, you know uh, things like uh, uh, recommendations across a broad set of users. Uh, we need to store it in a caching system uh, which can store these results in memory. Uh, the popular caching systems that are used across the board are uh, Redis is one of the most popular ones out there. Uh, there are teams which use other caches as well, uh, uh, pretty much depending on the on the use case. Uh, now, these the language in the database uh, form the bulk of the of the architecture. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, until and unless we're able to stretch it and uh, allow allow this architecture to be broadly opened up to end users, we cannot really uh, get this product up and running. Uh, so, which means that if a developer is writing code on their laptop uh, and or on their on the personal computer, uh, this code has to be deployed somewhere. It has to be executed somewhere, uh, you know, uh, as well, right? So, uh, for us to deploy a, a code, uh, we need to kind of store that code in a in a repository uh, and popular uh, in a cloud repositories uh, that are used are GitHub, which is again one of the most popular ones across the board. Uh, there's GitLab as well. 
Uh, there are other other providers as well who give hosted repositories on which code can be stored. Uh, the reason why the storage of code is important is that uh, first of all, multiple people, multiple team members can collaborate on the same code base. It is similar to, uh, you know, for example, if I were to if I were to write a document which has to be, uh, you know, reviewed by someone, uh, I have to put it in a place where it is shareable. So, for example, I might put the document in Google Docs. Uh, similarly, the code uh, also has to be reviewed by other people. Other people have to contribute to that code. Other uh, people have to improve and uh, extend upon that code base. Uh, that is where the concept of having a repository, uh, uh, which is able to allow access to multiple sets of themes, is uh, really important. So, uh, GitHub, GitLab, uh, pretty much are the broadly used uh, environments for uh, storing this code base. Uh, the other reason why I mentioned the, these uh, the code base storage becomes very important is that uh, the the deployment or when I say deployment the the process of uh, packaging this code and shipping it out to a remote server where it can be executed uh, without any human intervention is is where the concept of deployment comes in. So uh, this usually uh, denoted by a process a standard process called a continuous integration or a continuous deployment framework. Uh, in, in that, what happens is the code gets packaged into a certain format. It is, uh, there are a set of test cases that run upon that code. And uh, then that code, after passing, after it passing all the test sets of test cases, uh, is then, and in order to host that code, you know, there are multiple uh, uh, frameworks and deployment techniques that are used. Uh, Docker and Kubernetes are, uh, you know, the, the most popular way right now to package and deploy code uh, and host it in, in, in a way. And uh, so that pretty much, uh, you know, sums up uh, the standard tooling and the tech stack that is uh, used out there. Uh, now, you know, as and when the product matures, as and when the architecture matures, uh, we need to add additional uh, tooling uh, in terms of this tech stack to ensure that the, the amount of traffic that this architecture can sustain is, uh, is kind of instrumented. So there are sets of monitoring tools like uh, Neuralink, Prometheus, Grafana, which help us instrument uh, certain uh, metrics and uh, criteria for that code base uh, and tell us how it is working uh, online in, in the real world. So uh, to sum up, uh, we have a language, uh, we have a databases, you could have a relational database or you could have a cache, uh, pretty much both are uh, both play their own roles. Uh, we have a code base uh, a repository that is used to store the code. And uh, we then have a set of deployment tools uh, like Kubernetes and Docker, which are used to uh, execute this code in certain uh, cloud environments. Uh, so that is uh, pretty much the tech stack that is popularly, popularly used by uh, backend engineers uh, across the board. And this tech stack pretty much varies uh, company to company depending on depending on the familiarity depending on the on the talent pool uh, depending on the on the uh, overall expertise of the team with that particular tech stack uh, is uh, pretty much dictate the choices at turn yeah. Fantastic. Question um, also, I would like to understand that, you know, as, as developers gain these experiences, uh, what do they need to learn to be successful in this role? Any any tips that you would want to suggest? Sure, I think that's a great question, right? So uh, before I go to the area where you can be successful, let us uh, try to understand how can someone get into this role as well. Uh, one of the ways in, to get into this role, uh, at least the most traditional way is to learn computer science in college, 
uh, get your fundamentals right, uh, understand data structures, algorithms. The reason why uh, these are important is that uh, as and when a product scales, uh, the expectation is that the code that we write has to be really performant. Uh, when I say performant, it has to be really fast because users don't uh, like seeing slow products. Uh, to give you an example, imagine if I type something on WhatsApp and it just takes a minute to go somewhere uh, to the other user, uh, you you might really not get stickiness of the, of the product, right? So uh, the expectation from backend engineers is always that, you know, if the frontend has to be slick and fast, uh, backend engineers have to really write very, very performant uh, APIs. Uh, in fact, there was a study by uh, Amazon, uh, by, by, the, by the performance engineering team, wherein they mentioned that for every 100 milliseconds of delay on, on the page load, uh, the the overall bounce rate of that of the users for that page is uh, is increasing. So which means that for a shopping website, if I am writing code that is slowing down uh, or slowing down the page load time of that website, uh, my users are not going to stick around for a longer period of time. So uh, writing fast code is uh, pretty much uh, the uh, the only way to do it, and uh, which means that we have to get our fundamentals right. Uh, why are the computer science uh, uh, education that we get? And uh, this education is is not just limited to college. Uh, you know, pretty much there are. You could have, you could be a, a self-learned engineer as well. Uh, it it really doesn't matter that you you take computer science in college and then only that is the only way to land into this role. Uh, you could pretty much pick it up on your own. There are uh, there are tons of resources out there uh, that allow us to quickly cover the gap in terms of computer science fundamentals. Uh, you know, picking up a language uh, that I mentioned either Python. Uh, Java, uh, JavaScript, it could be Golang, any of these languages uh, uh, help us. Uh, so one way to uh, kind of quickly get yourself ready for the industry is that uh, get your fundamentals right, uh, learn a language uh, that helps you become pro productive, uh, that helps you write uh, the base amount of code uh, for, for a backend, uh, for a website to be built or for a, that was just an example, for a, for a backend to be built. And learn a database, uh, at least how to query, how to insert data, all of that. So uh, these three things are pretty much the bread and butter. And on top of this, you could uh, learn high-level frameworks, uh, which allow you to write APIs, uh, high-level libraries that allow you to uh, kind of reuse existing functionality out of the box, and really reinvent everything from scratch. So uh, as and when you mature, uh, all of these use cases will come into play. And if, if an engineer has to be productive, you need to have a very good overview of the ecosystem uh, within that extract which which really helps so as a fresher you know the earlier you learn all of this the earlier you get your fundamental side it allows you to get an edge over uh, others and you are able to get into this role uh, quickly and uh, then the on the job training on the job uh, experience in terms of real world uh, product building uh, would get you uh, quickly ramped up on this uh, back in engineering part uh, laterally, I, you know, there are other ways to uh, go about uh, come into this role laterally as well. Uh, so, uh, for example, if you if you are a front-end engineer who is uh, capable of big, uh, writing code to build the user interface for a product or for a, for a mobile app uh, or for a website, you you pretty much know and you are already consuming APIs uh, that are written by other uh, team members out there, right? So. Uh, one way to get uh, and, and kind of understand uh, what a backend engineer does is to kind of go into these APIs and then also uh, try to uh, understand how these are 
built and also you know how they are built and hosted so uh, that pretty much gives you that right uh, understanding of what an backend engineer does and then you could start contributing to that uh, apis uh, going forward you could start building or at least uh, instead of the backend engineer changing an api for you you could go around and contribute and change that api as well so that's one way of making a lateral jump from uh, the front end engineering side of things to the back end engineering side of things uh, for example if you are uh, if you are a sdet or someone who is uh, capable and really much uh, expert in testing out uh, uh, features or test testing out uh, apis you could pretty much uh, you're pretty much uh, approaching that uh, that test uh, from an overall feature uh, level as a pretty much as a black box uh, in some cases right uh, and if, if you if you are uh, interested in pursuing a backend engineering career in from a uh, from a sjet or from a qa to a backend engineer you you pretty much then can go deeper into how uh, those apis are built uh, what's the tech stack like how does data travel between one system to another if 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 it were if it were a distributed system and uh, that pretty much gives you an understanding of how things are built and then you could start contributing into uh, uh, those sets of features going forward as well so you know these are there are these there are multiple ways to move laterally and pretty much it's a uh, you know it's 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 i would not say it's it's that difficult to uh, move laterally it's just that you know you need to get an understanding of the base uh, tech stack which allows you to become productive in in the long run and start contributing as well uh, as in when you become or at least uh, start out in this role uh, in as a backend engineer right uh, the uh, the career path uh, pretty much you can follow is very very broad in nature uh, so to give you an an example uh, if if you're writing as if i were to continue the earlier example as well right so if imagine i build a a a minimum viable product of an e-commerce website as a backend engineer uh, what happens is that as and when uh, i i start running a business on this uh, platform Uh, that platform is going to experience uh, more number of orders uh, there are more number of users who are going to use this platform so uh, one one way to get uh, become successful in this role is to simply become curious about the end user need right uh, because a product in the initial uh, run is built out by a certain amount of uh, hypothesis a certain amount of uh, a, a, like assumptions around what that product would be from the user point of view uh, as a backend engineer uh, because you are maybe 2 to 3 degrees separated from the end user uh, having an understanding of the users needs having an understanding of the users uh, uh, pain points uh, allows you to structure your flows better uh, and then ensure that your code doesn't uh, have a short life for example right so a, a quick example of that would be that if users are finding it hard to so to search for products and they have to just uh, visit so many pages to consume information you could really organize that information better uh, via better filters on on the product on the, on the website right so and that uh, you know requires a certain amount of architecture uh, to be changed uh, to introduce new components into the text stack so uh, that having an understanding of the users needs is, is uh, extremely important uh, especially as you are the front end engineers are more exposed to the user than the back end ones so bridging uh, that gap really becomes important uh, also what is important is to have a broader overview of the components used across the board uh, uh, for example 
and and this this allows you to uh, you know quickly pick up new things as and when required right so the example that i mentioned is that if you were to introduce filters on your website uh, you know the users you know might be able to uh, at least uh, filter out and quickly discover products that they like now introducing a filter uh, is is something that requires a new component uh, which is called the search server uh, that is to be uh, introduced into this architecture right and a search server you could use elastic search you could use solar uh, so as an engineer right if you don't know what solar is as an engineer if you don't know what elastic search is uh, when the use case comes up uh, you you need to uh, at least uh, discover it do a poc and then uh, right start integrating it with your end architecture so uh, one way to become successful is to know broadly what components are used across the board uh, there are a finite set of components uh, used uh by pretty much uh, all the standard uh, companies out there uh, so once you know what is used uh, and for what use case it is good i think that allows you to uh, pick the right things uh, that can meet the needs of the business the the other way to become successful uh, is that you know as and when a business is maturing on a given platform what happens is that you uh, start seeing more and more scale on the architecture that you built right and uh, this scale requires uh, you to radically uh, write very very performant code uh, perform a certain amount of testing so that the traffic can be handled uh, to give you an example uh, right uh, companies like uh, hotstar uh, companies like uh, netflix pretty much see massive amount of uh, volume uh, during their peak uh, uh, peak times uh, for for hotstar it could be Uh, IPL is an example. For somebody else, it could be something. Uh, a simple example for IRCTC could be uh, that Atkal window, right? So, backend engineers uh, pretty much need to be prepared for this. Uh, uh, at least prepare the architecture for this traffic to come. Uh, and this means that you need to really understand each and every uh, component that is used in the tech stack, uh, along with when it can break and what are its limitations. So, uh, I think. Uh, broadly speaking to summarize uh, having an understanding of the customers uh, needs and pain points uh, uh, going broadly into what is the universe of components uh, used out there across other companies uh, and then going deep into these components and understanding uh, where they are a good fit and where they are not a good fit i think uh, pretty much these these three things combined uh, allow you to become a t shaped engineer when i say a t shaped engineer you have the breadth of components you have the breadth of Uh, qualities that are uh, required to become successful, and then you have that across a certain area of that that tech stack on that platform. So. Thanks for that question. I think that was really really helpful for our audience. Uh, moving on to the next one, how does this role evolve as company and team matures? I mean, from individual contributor track to a leadership track, how is the entire evolution? Sure, I think. the role evolution pretty much depends on the org as well as on the product uh, so the right place to be would obviously be for someone to start in an org that is uh, either in its very early stage so that you get the experience as the product matures and that you get to see the full life cycle uh, but having said that right yeah, if if uh, if a developer was uh, building an architecture for an e-commerce website as in when you know for example if i as a developer i i built Uh, a certain section of that uh, that platform for example i only built the sign up and the login uh, hypothetically it, it, and i am starting my career as the company is also building out uh, their uh, that part of the business now uh, that sign up or login flow might 
just be very simple. It might require just a couple of APIs and then uh, quickly we could uh, begin things and uh, get things started. Now, as and when the product is maturing, right, uh, that that feature set could, or that product feature could become more and more complex with time. Uh, a, a simple example could be if I had to build, uh, you know, my initial login flow would be just the user entering their username and password and then simply logging in. Uh, but then as and when uh, the, the business is expanding, I need to acquire more users. Uh, I need to connect to, uh, you know, other uh, areas, uh, other uh, channels of traffic. I, I pretty much need to uh, at least make that sign up and login flow more and more seamless. For example, I could have to support it on mobile. I could have to support it on desktop. Uh, you know, I could have to integrate with other social channels like uh, Google login, uh, LinkedIn, uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So, whatever that engineer wrote uh, was very simple in the initial run, uh, could quickly become more and more complex with time. And this complexity uh, increases uh, the increase in this complexity rather. Uh, uh, pretty much, you you require to to rethink the way that code base is completely architected and how that API is built. Uh, so, you, while uh, the the UX has to be very simple for the user, uh, the APIs also have to be very very simple for the front end uh, to consume, right? And uh, this requires a different line of thinking in the way uh, the architecture is uh, built and uh, matured. So, uh, what happens is that as and when this uh, this product matures, as and when use cases uh, become more complex, uh, uh, the the role of of an engineer, uh, at least the scope of the role of an engineer. Uh, which could just be writing a simple API, writing a two couple of APIs, and now you are pretty much support building an entire authentication uh, which has multiple insights of integrations, which has uh, a set of uh, layers of permissions uh, and things like that. Uh, right. So that developer who initially started out as an individual contributor owning just a small feature now is owning a complete system altogether. And uh, if this is if this system is sufficiently complex, uh, this role can uh, really not be done by a single person uh, going forward, especially as as expectations uh, on that product are also increasing. So uh, now you have a pretty much you know a, a product which has scaled, a system which you built has also scaled, and uh, now there is a team required to support that. Uh, now there are pretty much two tracks that are uh, that are available out there. Uh, you could either continue uh, increasing your scope uh, of work uh, from probably uh, building out that initial system, uh, scaling it out, uh, adding more and more features. Uh, and one track would be an individual contributor track where you keep on uh, shipping code uh, for for products uh, for these sets of uh, uh, features. Uh, you could start increasing your scope probably from uh, writing the authentication system, writing the, the uh, that authorization system to uh, probably supporting other sets of uh, features ex expected uh, on the same platform. It could be search, it could be uh, probably cart or something of, of that sort. So uh, either you kind of uh, stay on the, on the IC track, you keep on uh, you know, increasing your, and widening your scope uh, in terms of an, uh, as an engineer uh, by, uh, you know, by handling uh, more and more complex features going forward. Uh, the other other uh, track would be that you know while that while that area or the product surface that you're covering, uh, if that is uh, if that is supported by a complete team altogether, uh, pretty much you know there there needs to be uh, someone to uh, set the standards of excellence. Uh, there needs to be someone who needs to 
unblock other other engineers uh, writing code on the same platform uh, there needs to be someone who sets the standards of how our collaboration is done uh, how a code should be shipped all of these are expectations from the from the leadership track uh, where you uh, quickly either uh, transition from just taking care of your work to helping out others and then mentoring others in the long run so uh, you know as in when a company grows as in when an engineering org grows uh, these two tracks are are uh, kind of laid out in, uh, in in front of everyone and we could then pretty much uh, stay on the ic track uh, keep on increasing the scope and complexity of the contributions or you could uh, start uh, helping out unblocking others and then uh, start working on a leadership track uh, both of these are pretty much uh, very very high impact uh, uh, career tracks overall uh, you know if you if you are interested on the technical side of things if you like tinkering around with code and uh, writing uh, complex pieces of code uh, you can pretty much stay on the ic track and continue to bring your impact uh, and you could, you also have to realize that you know uh, all of all of the products that you build are are less about the technology and more about the people right so uh, if if working with people is a passion if working with uh, other engineers helping out other people is a passion then pretty much pretty much that leadership track allows you to go go forward and uh, make an impact in your career okay now the last one vision since you know we've spoken about kubernetes and energy gain and other things uh, tell me why does knowledge of cloud infrastructure is is helpful in this role sure uh, so you know any any code that that we write right uh, it it you know it seems very simple because, uh, we just have to write a code on our laptop and it just starts working uh, but uh, that that's not the reality when we have to build a product that has to be used by thousands or probably millions of users uh, that code has to live in a 24/7 environment uh, on on servers that uh, either we personally do not own uh, there are companies that specialize in this uh, you know the the larger and the most popular ones being amazon web services uh, google cloud uh, microsoft azure so these these companies uh, have pretty much abstracted or built a very very simple uh, way for thousands and millions of developers out there to uh, start hosting code and uh, pretty much uh, build uh, a product by their own so uh, they allow uh, you know everyone to uh, rent servers by the hour uh, these could be uh, compute servers these could be database servers this could be the physical uh, network that connects all of these pieces this could be caches um, you know and the the beauty of this is right uh, that the uh, if if i were to procure a server host it in an environment connect it to uh, a very complex uh, network and then uh, make it available 24/7 online this is immense amount of effort that no company wants to go into and focus on the business that is uh, really the, the bread and butter of our company runs uh, so this cloud infrastructure is uh, pretty much uh, something that allows you to uh, completely be uh, decoupled from this and focus on the product uh, so uh, you know in terms of aws uh, gcp or azure uh, these, these are standard ways uh, or at least standard cloud providers that are used uh, across the board and the reason why they are important is is because first of all they have made it very simple for us to uh, host host our code uh, online uh, the the other uh, brilliant thing that uh, these cloud providers do 
is that they ensure that the capacity that is allocated to us is elastic. And when I say elastic, it means that if I am supporting thousand users on, a, on my website, on my platform right now, if for some reason I run a sale and I need to quickly scale up my server capacity to support uh, maybe uh, tens of thousands of users, I can quickly do it with the help of just one button. And that, that elasticity is something that is really uh, a very, very powerful feature of the cloud uh, that allows uh, companies like, uh, you know, uh, Netflix, uh, companies like uh, YouTube to, to quickly ramp up their infrastructure as and when required. So, and, and the, the people, or it is the, uh, the engineering teams who are in charge of this, uh, the engineering teams who kind of uh, work on this cloud infrastructure overall are the backend engineers uh, uh, themselves. So, uh, you as an engineer pretty much uh, have to understand uh, the various options that a cloud, cloud provider gives. Uh, uh, compute, database, uh, cache, network. Uh, there are so many nuances, so many product uh, products options to choose from. Uh, and then kind of uh, how do you imagine if, if these were Lego blocks on which I was uh, building an architecture, you kind of need to know how to connect these Lego blocks in the right way uh, so that they function well together. Uh, so that whenever you see scale in, in terms of users, whenever you see scale in terms of traffic, uh, that Lego block has to uh, be from from it being a very simple uh, architecture. It has to become more complex and uh, evolve over time. Uh, and then it, that this can only happen if you know your fundamental site. If you know the cloud infrastructure uh, tooling right, and if you have the if you have the right uh, you know uh, DevOps knowledge to kind of take it forward in the long term. Uh, interestingly, that's also one of the areas where a backend engineer can grow. Uh, so while you could start out by uh, writing the APIs uh, uh, like supporting complex microservices, uh, having a knowledge of cloud, having a knowledge of uh, DevOps practices allows you to write scalable code that can meet the needs of the business in the long run. So I would say cloud infrastructure is not just a skill that is uh, uh, expected of you as a role evolves, uh, but it is a cornerstone of a skill that can allow you to become or at least grow very, very quickly in terms of an engineer. Uh, because uh, the moment you have that have that knowledge of the cloud and how those pieces fit in, uh, your your approach or at least your way of writing code would completely change. So I would say uh, cloud infrastructure is, is not just a skill. It could become in the long run as well. Uh, but for every platform engineer, once you gain sufficient years of experience in terms of building products from scratch, uh, you know, this is a very, very must have skill that you need to master uh, for a long term success in your career. Fantastic, Kushan. Thank you for this interesting uh, conversation. I mean, the insights that you've shared for our audience today, I'm you know, certain that it's going to help uh, everyone. So thank you for uh, sharing them, Kushan. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Audience, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please ensure to take a note of all the facts and insight our guest speaker has just shared. I will see you in the next episode of Dagi Podcast. Till then, stay safe and keep learning.